Hello, I'm John Dennis. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of December. Welcome to the last Guardian Daily podcast of the decade. And it's the noughties that we'll be reflecting on today. The decade that sounded a bit like this. Well, we'll be bringing you regular updates as successive time zones enter the 21st century. And we'll bring you pictures of all the main celebrations across the globe. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads. And Iraq has divided the international community. It's divided this party, the country, family, friends. And I know many people are disappointed and hurt and angry. I know many believe profoundly that the action that we took was wrong. And I do not at all disrespect anyone who disagrees with me. So it appears that there has been a tsunami generator that's been confirmed by the warning centre, how big it is, how wide an area has been damaged and to what extent we don't know yet. The International Olympic Committee has the honour of announcing that the Games of the 30th Olympiad in 2012 are awarded to the city of London. The Metropolitan Police telling us, uh, I will list them and you see them there on the map, uh, Edgware Road, King's Cross, Liverpool Street, Aldgate East, and the bus in Tavistock Square we were just looking at. I learned how to dance watching Michael Jackson, especially when he would appear on the Ed Sullivan Show. So, Michael Jackson, God bless his soul, and I just hope that people understand that this was a real human being who cared deeply for humanity. Hello, Chicago! If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. How is it for you? I braved the wintry blasts on one of the most talked about structures of the year 2000, London's Millennium Bridge, to hear the thoughts of some of the people there. I'm really impressed with the noughties. <laughs> What's that? Why is that? Well, I think everything's changed, isn't it? The internet, banking systems have changed. I travel more, more money in my pockets. Do you think you'll be travelling as much and have as much money in your pocket over the next 10 years? Well, that's depending on the government, of course, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, what about you, madam? Do you, do you think the noughties has been... been... 10 years, yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent. And, but do you think the world's been uh, a safer place than to live in than perhaps the 90s were? No. No, I why's that? Well, you, I think it's more on the news now, the bad that goes on in the world. Yeah. It's been a bit sad, hasn't it? I think. Why's that? Uh, I don't know, just a kind of air of disappointment, I think. Like post-millennial disappointment. Post-millennial disappointment. <laughs> do, do you think, what about you, madam, do you agree with that? I think it was uh, 
very decadent. I think we're paying for it now. The noughties? Um, no, I won't look on it fondly, no. Why, why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, they just passed me by. Passed you by? It's <laughs> ten years. Ten years of your life. <laughs> I mean, do you think we're more secure, the world's a more secure, safer place than it was ten years ago? Probably not, no. But I think we can thank uh, George for that. They've been excellent. <laughs> really exciting period with all the the, the events that happened. 9-11, uh, uh, you had uh, the, the financial crisis and uh, lots of other things happening. Joining our studio discussion are Guardian comment editor Georgina Henry, Alex Needham, culture editor of Guardian.co.uk and commentator Michael White. Well, Alex Needham, what do you think the noughties will be remembered for? <laughs> in art or culture well, why not? Why not? Let's start with culture. Well, I think in culture, probably what the decade at large will be remembered for, I guess 9-11 and the war in Iraq has you know, had an effect on everything. You know, the arts reflected that as you'd, as you'd expect them to. I remember sort of the first big arts exhibition that I'd not thought of for a while, but I kind of remembered it yesterday, was uh, Apocalypse at the Royal Academy, which was kind of three years on from Sensation, and that was there where we're all doomed. But it was done in a slight... Thinking about it retrospectively, it was slightly kitsch, really. An actual threat hadn't materialised, and it was slight sort of shock for shock's sake, but obviously I think that was... Yeah, that went on in the last three months of 2000, and then a year later, you know, there actually was a real sort of apocalyptic process to cope with and I think the the kind of fallout from that has sort of shadowed the high art well art in general ever since. Georgina I mean it's a bit of a truism really but I mean the the, the, the millennium really began with 9-11 didn't it? It did and it's just cast a shadow over the last 10 years because actually just just as we're talking and when I was thinking about coming to record this podcast you try and think about the themes and even if you put international politics global politics to one side and think about a decade of the Labour government for instance even that of course you can't think about without thinking about Iraq and Afghanistan and all of that stems really from uh, 9-11 and that sort of absolutely defining event which I think you know anyone who was a journalist at that moment will just it, it's the biggest story they ever covered I mean you know in a sort of personal way for me as well it was extraordinary because I just had a baby on the um, eve of 9-11 so in in a sort of personal sense I've had a lovely decade of this child but I remember sitting there feeding this child watching this extraordinary event and of course as a journalist wishing I was there to cover it and perhaps it was because I don't know the hormones were raging or something but it's it's just the the biggest thing that has ever really happened to me uh, professionally I think and um, and you know I don't mean it, it, it in my uh, life but as a just a sort of extraordinary story that really never goes away. Michael White, uh, you're in our Westminster office. I mean, a decade of Labour, as, as Georgina said, but um, not perhaps the decade that many Labour supporters would have hoped for. Well, um, some Labour supporters started the decade determined to be betrayed by somebody. It doesn't take long if you really concentrate. I mean, just to re rewind the spool a bit, listening to Georgina and to Alex. I mean, it's interesting, 9-11 is what people remember that extraordinary day, as, as, as Georgina puts it. I was here in the office and we thought the first plane might be an accident and then you realise, of course, uh, a few minutes later that it wasn't and also that you'll not have a lot of Westminster reporting to do for the next uh, two or three weeks because we were in the sidelines. The other big event of that character, which I'd be interested to see if the others felt so 
impacted as uh, as as I did was the uh, 2005 Boxing Day tsunami, where you actually saw it in this world we've created for ourselves, where you know people's camcorders, people's video cameras, people's telephones, all the the global hookup, and but nobody knew it was happening. There was a fundamental breakdown of communications. It wasn't going to happen in the Indian Ocean. Everybody knows tsunamis happen in the Pacific. There was no early warning system. Besides, it was Christmas Day in Hawaii, and people weren't. Sounds a bit like a, um, a Pearl Harbor attack, doesn't it? That people weren't concentrating. It was a Sunday, I remember, and. Uh, you know, quite extraordinary, and the casualty rate of spectacular proportions. However, one more important point, I'd argue that in a way 9-11 was a sideshow. I know it doesn't feel that way. What really happened in this decade was the rise of Asia, and in particular, the rise of China. And if you have one particular moment where you thought, wow, as Georgina did on 9-11, was when you saw the opening of the 2008 Olympics, that extraordinary ceremony. China's back, first time in 500 years. I just think in political terms, I mean, Mike, you'd agree, wouldn't you, though, that the what 9-11 did and, and the wars that have and the interventions that have sort of stemmed from that has so defined domestic politics here, really? Well, yes, although we'll come on to the disappointments of the Labour government, because even I was disappointed uh, in, 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 in a minute. But I'm, I'm sort of hanging in there and saying that... Iraq, in, a, in the 90s, we lost the bipolar world we'd all grown up with, which was Cold War. Everything was pushed through the Cold War prism. A little war in Nicaragua, another one in Angola. Whose side were you on? That's the way it worked. And, and, and Russia fell away, and America thought it was omnipotent, but it wasn't. And we've seen America's weakness. No, well, you're right. And all the seeds of that were thrown. And it was thrown long before uh, the decade began. It's just it was that moment, really, where it sort of entered people's consciousness, obviously, in such an extraordinary way. And that that's what I think has been different. You're absolutely right, of course. Um, you know, it didn't start with 9-11 in a way. What's happened since? These things never start with a big no, they bang, never, That's they? right. They yeah. never do. It goes back to the attack on the coal and the fact that the Americans, of course, fermented Islamic fundamentalism in, in Afghanistan against uh, the Soviet Union with some success, unfortunately. Maybe the we should put it in uh, that the rise of China is offset by the continuing failure of, of Islam to get to grips with modernism. I mean, I think that's beginning to change and there are good signs out there as well, but that's that's another of the big themes of the decade. Alex, do you think America's still been, though, the sort of preeminent cultural force in the world over the last 10 years? Well, I think kind of American popular culture has gone through a sort of a kind of self-questioning and it has got a lot darker. I mean, when you think at the beginning of the decade, the major kind of pop figure was was Eminem. And, uh, you know, a lot of who the, he? <laughs> well, exactly. But the, 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 the sort of kind of anger and disillusion, you know, they almost kind of went through their punk a bit. And when you think about the big sort of American icons, they've all been kind of failed icons, you know, the death of Michael Jackson, the Britney Spears implosion. It's I think it's sort of shown quite a dark side of the of the American psyche and also I, I just think that whereas you know in the 50s and 60s you, you know and later on everybody you know took American culture as being at the absolute vanguard and something that um, expressed a, a real kind of self-confidence and a sort of new remaking of the world now where a lot you know people are a lot more skeptical of that and I think yeah, that's that, right and I think that kind of uh, you know, it's like like kind of going the way that so many Americans were ashamed of the fact that Bush was in power for eight years. I think that that had an effect on the culture, and you could you could hear it in the in the records and see it in the films. And that the failure of the financial system, Mike, will will surely be one of the defining moments of the noughties. Well, that's you know going back to my my theme of the of of, of the session. The we were told 
Thatcher and Reagan, as Georgina said, decades are never neat, that, you know, the free market model, the less you regulated markets, the better they worked. Uh, it's called the efficient market theory. Uh, and governments were part of the problem. We all know the script. We've all heard it. And of course, it ends after two decades of, of apparent uh, growing prosperity, although with hindsight, Really, what happened was that Chinese manufactured the goods and then loaned us the money to buy them at very reasonable rates, and we bought them, and now we're facing bankruptcy in different forms. So the, the, the Thatcher-Reagan model crashed, and they charge against new labor and against uh, all sorts of governments all over the world, including the United States Federal Reserve, so they didn't stop it. They didn't take the punch bowl away just as the party was getting going, which is what central banks and governments are went, meant to do when you know free markets get out of control. George, do you think that Britain's a more liberal place than it was 10 years ago. Oh yes, I think I think that's absolutely true and um, uh, the better for it. I mean, you know, at the moment we're concentrating on the doom and the gloom and the, the financial crash has had its roots again long before the decade started, although accelerated, you could say, quite a lot under the Brown-Blair partnership, but uh, in, in a sort of domestic sense anyway, or why Britain's come off perhaps worse than others in Europe. But in social terms, um, I think Britain's a more tolerant and less sort of hidebound place, really. I think that um, that's that's all, all, all to the good, um, whether it's civil partnerships or um, actually extremely um, kind of low tolerance of um, hate speech, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, at the same time, you've also had the rise of the BNP and there are great tensions and problems around immigration, around population, and a lot of that driven by, of course, the uh, financial difficulties of the last uh, year or so. And so it's, you know, it's not that suddenly we've come out into the the sunny uplands of everyone being nice to each other. It's not that. But I think in government terms, there's been a sort of powerful move in the right direction over the last decade, I would say. I don't know what you think, Alex. Well, I think that's true. And sort of civil partnerships with and kind of gay rights generally are, are quite a strong marker, I think. You know, over the over the past ten years, it's you know the 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 rugby player who came out at the beginning of this week. You know that just wouldn't that wouldn't ha- that wouldn't have happened ten yeah. ten years ago. Just the sort of reaction to things like the Jan Moyer Daily Mail column, for instance, Twitter, and all that. It, it's strange because you know there's definitely a lot of anger out there and a lot of intolerance that finds its expression through the internet. But Twitter, it, it seems to be a very kind of lefty <laughs> kind of liberal. It's liberal sort of, and older, and, and, yes, that's right. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's it, you know the, the, I'd say that the the kind of liberal voice is equally strong now, whereas it used to be that the kind of right wing. Not not in the in the blogosphere. So I mean, no. the, that's the interesting thing. I mean, you can't talk about the noughties, can you, without talking about the rise of the internet? Yeah. And we're all evidence of that sitting here in this studio, which cl- clearly the Guardian wasn't doing ten years ago, podcasting to the nation. <laughs> <Wasn't> <laughs> I thought CP Scott was doing. It. I, thought we, I thought we'd always done it. He would have if he could have. And that's that's quite a that's quite a difficult space, as we all know, and it's not necessarily the liberal um, highlands. Twitter. No, no, it isn't. I mean, I agree with everything that's been said uh, and was uh, surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised how uh, the extent to which the acceptance of uh, uh, civil partnerships and everything that goes with that has come to be pretty normal. Uh, and uh, uh, as Alex said, uh, 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 the Welsh rugby hero hasn't had any grief over this 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 week. Uh, same true as race relations. Although you keep having to remind yourself that we uh, all live in a big city, and uh, a lot of people don't see one BME 
black ethnic minority person from one end of the uh, year to the other. And, uh, you know, even something horrible like Cockermouth, you reminded people in Cumberland, you know, they're all white. And people in Cornwall, Emma Thompson complained during the year when her adopted son got trouble at Exeter University where he was studying. So she said, you know, why is Devon and Cornwall so white? Well, that's where I come from. It is Emma. I'm sorry. And a lot of places in the country are like that. And I think there's a kind of, Georgina touched upon it, the sort of UKIP, BNP, backlash. You don't know where that's going. Probably nowhere if we're optimistic. But in tandem with a recession, maybe we are being over-optimistic. And one thing I would disagree with, I think the tone of public debate you know, left and right has got much more populist, much more shrill, for want of a better word. There's a lot of anger out there. And somebody said in my hearing the other day that the recession and unemployment and all bad things are happening at the moment is sort of legitimised anger against the bankers, against the politicians, against people uh, on the X Factor and Strictly <laughs> and stuff. There's a lot, a sort of, lot of aggro there, which well, I'm it's not also sure there was there before. Maybe we just see it now. Well, I think there's even less respect around for politicians and, you know, that ought to be deeply troubling to them and it certainly is to some of them. But the whole sort of expenses saga, which in a sense is just a, a blip in the night, in the uh, noughties. It's not probably going to be seen as a defining event in, in the way that some of the other things we've talked about is. But I do think it means that politics leaves this decade in pretty poor shape in this country. And a lot of the anger, I think, is to do with that in the sense that politicians still haven't got the message. They're still not really doing the things that people would like to see them. And it's a very, very worrying thing for anybody that's interested in that stuff. I think it was damaging in that it seemed to confirm what people already yeah. thought, that all politicians are in it for themselves and, and on the tape. Yeah, and, and the people saying those things had that vindicated. Didn't but that's, yeah. part of the, that's part of the populism I mean. Uh, the, the expenses scandal was largely indefensible, uh, but the idea that polls are all in for uh, for themselves, they're in it for themselves, they wouldn't be in politics, and you know, no money in politics. Um, a footballer or a banker takes that annual MP's salary home every Saturday afternoon. But Mike, you mentioned the, the X factor there, and we've heard recently that Simon Cowell may be bringing his undoubted talents to the political sphere. I mean, Alex, do you think that celebrity culture has really sort of become so pervasive that, you know, every corner of our lives seems to be sort of some celebrity inveigling their way in? Well, I just think that's been one of the really negative things about the decade, that every single thing that happens has now got this incredibly distracting kind of miasma of, of, celebra- of celebrity around it, like every cause has to have a celebrity attached everything has to have a celebrity angle and we're kind of the sort of encouragement to it's just kind of bread and circuses basically and almost the sort of rage against the machine fans who protested it against it I think was a was a real marker in the sand where that said people are people are kind of fed up of it it's a distraction and it's kind of intended to be a distraction and I think finally maybe that was a sign that some people have, have kind of seen through it and have had enough. You know, it won't change things long term. We seem to be totally, we seem to be stuck with it. But it has been a real theme of the decade, and it and it's got progressively worse. I think, in my sense, is there's more interest in celebrities who actually combine that with talent. I mean, that kind of meaningless celebrity for celebrity state, which seemed to be, for its, the, just the sake of celebrity, seemed to be around quite a lot in the last oh, decade. Oh, Georgina, you're a you good think... woman. You're an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think people want people to actually have some reason to be. But you, maybe I'm wrong, Alex. Well, it's interesting that Big Brother is the final series that's, this year, uh, isn't it? So, I mean, I suppose, yeah. I suppose that's a pretty strong indication. You know, sh- 
strictly come dancing, people haven't been interested be- as no, interested the, because they weren't. Except the interesting thing about that, as since we watched it in our house or have watched it, is actually it does when you actually see people really sweating it out to the fact that they're not people I've ever heard of particularly. Yeah. Um, it was neither here nor there. It was just became this extraordinary thing in which they really learned how to do something extraordinary. And so, in a funny way, it sort of proved that point. Really, it didn't yeah, matter that nobody had ever heard uh, does, of them that they weren't the big enough celebrities. I felt the it was more. Work that way, George. Does it work because people see people trying hard? I, the, I guess that must be it. I mean, it's it's. Well, well, well I think it's just because they like to see loathsome people, people behaving loathsomely. I know that's Schadenfreude. I mean, that's yeah. been big in the noughties. But you know, do, that love of seeing people really humiliated and hurt. Which personally, I, that's why I can't watch The Apprentice. Myself. <laughs> well, well I, don't, I don't like it either. Too much shouting. But we do devour celebrities. This terrifying rate. What the fate of Tiger Woods is these last few weeks have been horrible. Uh, this man put on a pedestal. Apparently people in the know always knew about this. The car crash was just an excuse to get it out there. So you, this build them up, knock them down stuff for which the Daily Mail is so brilliant every day uh, is, uh, you know, it's always been there maybe, but it just seems amplified by the modern media, which is everywhere. Well, it's just part of, again, it's all pervasive celebrity culture. The story has to move on. And as soon as, and as you know, and as soon as, uh, You've had enough of saying that people are fantastic. Then there's nowhere to go but saying that you know that they're that they're terrible and uh, itemising all their all their flaws. Just to wrap up, folks, if I could just uh, ask the general question: uh, What will you miss most about the noughties? Let's start with you, George. Oh, I wish you'd given me some time to think about that. What will I miss? I don't think I'll miss very much at all, actually. I mean, it's been a fascinating decade professionally. I mean, as a journalist, it's been an absolutely incredible decade. Um, I won't miss struggling to work out what it's called. And although, 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 what's, what's the next decade going to be called? I've got no it's idea. Clearer the twenty tens and moving on from that. But uh, no, I, I, you know, I, I try not to be sentimental about these things. Just move on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. Alex? Um, I tend to like to move on as well. But one thing I did enjoy this this decade, actually, was the sort of, that's quite unfashionable to say now, was, was the kind of resurgence in guitar music that happened between the Strokes and the Arctic Monkeys. And actually, the Arctic Monkeys, I think, were maybe the last band that sort of carried a large group of people kind of with them that had a real sort of feeling that you were, that everybody was kind of cheering them on together. I think they even think, carried Gordon Brown, Alex, yeah, I was, I was for, about for to a say. bit. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just so much stuff around now that I just think people's tastes are so diverse that kind of big kind of youth movements or people are getting behind, you know, a particular band that might have be a thing of the past. Are you going to miss the Labour government, Mike? Sort of. I mean, people say there's no difference between Labour and the Tories, but there will be. And some people listening will be pleased when there's a change of government, as there will be on the afternoon of May the 7th. And some people <laughs> some people won't be. And some people say, if only we'd had a real Labour government. Fact is, the Labour government tried to do a lot of uh, good things. It certainly tried to address poverty because inequality was a big theme of this decade. But it was running up a down escalator and all the globalising forces at work were tending to accentuate I- inequality, people with education and skills did very well and people at the bottom without any of those things uh, uh, did badly and got uh, if not poorer few did but most people just 
the gap widened, education, everything at every level, health, education, income, disposable income, number of holidays, all that stuff. And that was a feature of our society, which I won't miss. I will miss, I think, the sort of general prosperity which we've enjoyed, because what the recession has shown us is that we weren't as rich as we thought we were. And the next decade, I fear, is going to be a much darker one in all sorts of ways. And anyone who's watched the fallout of Copenhagen knows it's not just the recession, it's the fact that that um, do-anything lifestyle has to change. Yeah, well, well done for mentioning it, Georgina. Yeah. We almost forgot. <laughs> Fuhr. Fuhr. <laughs> well, there's me trying to end on an optimistic note. But uh, Michael White, Georgina Henry, Alex Needham, many thanks for joining us. Phil Maynard was the producer of today's edition of Guardian Daily. Merry Christmas, everyone.